living water. This weekly broadcast is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you subscribe to this podcast, please send us an email at indepthbibleteaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Turn to Leviticus chapter 11 today. Now, we're going to continue on with what we talked about last week. Now, if you'll remember, in verse 3, the Lord lays out here for the Israelites and for, of course, Moses and the priesthood uh, what they were to eat and what they were not to eat. Now, if you read this chapter uh, and you take it in its context, it's actually talking about what they were physically not allowed to eat. But remember that there's always something else going on with the Lord in the Scripture. Even if something is literal, there is there latent many times the spiritual truth, the spiritual aspect, different things moving. So as we look at certain things today... Uh, how those things apply to us and, and the, some of the spiritual applications. Remember that God can lead them, or could have led them, or did in many cases, uh, lead some of them into the same truth. Not that they uh, saw exactly the same thing, but as far as their own personal life, they were able to take things that the Lord was, was revealing to them, showing them, uh, how he was moving for them personally, and they would bring that in, and that became a part of them, as it does for us today. But he, re- he puts two requirements on all that they, that they were to eat, as far as the beasts of the field. Uh, one, that they had to be, be cloven-footed, verse 3, they had to part the hoof. Now, does anyone remember uh, what we said that applied to? Obedience, yes, obedience. And the second thing was that they had to, the animal had to chew the cud, which was a type of pondering or meditating upon the word, so to speak. So that physically, this is what they had to do the animals that um, chew the cud, for example. they give an example of a camel that chewed the cud, but it didn't part the hoof, so it was unclean. It had to have both of those things there moving as far as the physical animal was concerned before they were able to, to partake of that and eat it. Uh, for you and I as Christians, we need to partake of that which brings us closer to God as far as our own obedience and that which we take and we ponder that God is bringing forth to us the Word or whatever it may be, a situation that you're in and you, or somebody brings something to you and, and you need to make a decision or whatever it may be. You need to chew on that, to chew the cud, to ponder that and so on. So those are two elements that must be present even in the Christian today and that is bore out in the New Testament as we saw last week. Now, we, we looked at 
the camel. Now, we're going to look at a few other here. But I wanted to say this, that there is a scripture in... Um, uh, I'm not sure where it is. Timothy, I believe, I'm not sure. It says that whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So you have today people, and I have run into them, where they will take Leviticus 11 and say, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you're allowed to eat this, you're allowed to eat that. And they will build their diet upon that uh, particular uh, way of thinking. What I always tell them is this, I say, well, if that's true, then that means that you can eat locusts and crickets and things like that, and that's okay. How many of those are you eating for your, your health? And they normally aren't eating too many of them. So the Lord has something there, but sometimes for us, the literal meaning, I mean, it probably would be okay if we didn't eat certain things, but that's not the point. What, whatsoever you eat or drink, or you do, do all to the glory of God. So the glory of God in your life and out from your life is what's important. So that if the Lord would come to you and say, hey, listen, I don't want you to eat pork. And you would, you would be able to, to move with that. Or I don't want you to have this, or you know, whatever it may be. Uh, where he would restrict you or give you the liberty, that's, that's where you're to move. Now, in... Chapter 11, your turn there, correct? So verse 3 here deals with the beast of the field, as I said. And then we're going to go on down through that. And then uh, one of the other verses here uh, deal with the fish of the sea. And then it goes down to the, the creeping things of the earth. Um, but I want to go to verse 6. Now remember... In these animals, there are certain characteristics. And if you really look at that, as I have, you will start to see a particular characteristic or a number of characteristics seen in a particular animal. Now, those characteristics, it's very interesting how, how it moves here. There's characteristics there in these animals that are not to be a part of the Christian character. So that that means that we are not to feed upon certain things, and if we feed on the things that the Lord has laid out that are unclean, then we are bringing that which is unclean, and in particular, we're bringing a certain characteristic into our life or into our heart into our being, that if that comes in and remains there, the Lord will deal with it eventually to, to get that out. Now, in verse 6, let's read verse 6. Well, uh, verse 5 mentions the coney. Um, now, another thing, this is, I don't want to get hung up on, on these different things here moving and try to get where I want to get here, but... When you read the King James, some of the words, um, 
say one thing, but they're actually meaning a different animal. For example, and I don't know if we'll get to that, the owl is actually the ostrich. And um, the coney, some of these animals are actually extinct today. Now, in verse uh, 5, it talks about the coney, that um, he cheweth the cud, but he does not divide the hoof. So that was, was unclean. Now, I believe that's an extinct animal, because I don't think any, any of the rabbit family that I know of, anyway, uh, chewed the cud. So, so that's just one thing I want to show you. Now, let's go to verse 6 and start with that. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, is unclean unto you. Now, uh, this, the hare would be a rabbit or, or a similar you know, creature of that family. Uh, now, it's interesting that the rabbit is preyed upon by more species of animals than any other animal in, in the animal kingdom. Rabbits are always preyed upon, and they're always, you know, gone after by other, other animals. Now, the rabbit, I believe, speaks of fear. Now, have any of you ever uh, picked up a rabbit, a wild rabbit? A few of you have. What do they do? <laughs> they're almost like, you know, like, <laughs> they're shaking and their legs are going like this. Now, I know one person here that has had a, a, a domestic rabbit. Now, when you, when you picked up your rabbit, did it ever tremble? And, and that was a rabbit that was in the house all the time that knew you. So, so that, that particular animal has that characteristic, and that characteristic, I believe, is, is fear. And see, the Lord lays that in the Scripture and says, I, I don't want you to protect, he's telling the Levites, of the rabbit, or as we can apply that to us today, we are not to partake of fear. Now, it says that rabbits have four... No, wait. Two is, is it three? Wait a second, did I write it down here? It's, I think it's four to eight, four to eight litters a year. So we'll take the middle number, which is six. And they have three to eight rabbits per litter. So we'll take the middle number, six. Six times six is 36. Now, one female rabbit has the potential of bearing at least 36 other young in a year. Now, if you have 100 rabbits in an area, you have the possibility of 3,600 rabbits. They, they proliferate pretty quick. In New Zealand and Australia, they imported, this was years ago, they imported 24 rabbits, and what started with 24 rabbits turned into 2 billion rabbits. And they were just all over the land. And I, I imagine probably because there, there weren't any predators for the rabbit there. And so the government engineered a virus to kill the entire rabbit population, wiped them out. Can you imagine 24 turning into 2 billion? 
How many have done any reading on or seen a documentary on the Dust Bowl? Does anybody know what the Dust Bowl is? Only one. In the, in the mid-1930s, uh, uh, I think it was the, um, the Midwest or the Western Plain States in the United States, they uh, started to cultivate the land, and, and they farmed the land, and they, 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 um, they took away all the shrubbery and cleared everything out, and they had all farmland. What happened was a drought for quite a few years hit, and it dried everything up, and the winds would come along and create this dust, huge dust storms. And one of the things that happened were, were that the rabbits started to just, for, for some reason, they would just, they multiplied. And what, what happened was because of the drought, people couldn't farm, so they would have um, smaller gardens near their homes. But what would happen was these rabbits would come down and they would just totally wipe out everything that they had. So they actually had to, had to kill these rabbits. But anyway, the point being this, that rabbits multiply very quickly just like fear in the heart of a person. So that if the enemy can somehow get fear in you, or another way to say it is that if we partake of certain things that have that characteristic in it and take that into our heart and life, then that can multiply. And I noticed this, that fear is probably one of the things that, that the world, the business world, preys upon as far as the population. They prey upon that the most. They try to instill fear in you in many different ways. Oh, somebody... somebody going to break into your house, so put an alarm system in. Somebody's going to break into your car. Um, you have to get this shot or else you're going to get this. And it goes on and on and on. It, it, it's just everywhere you look, you have this, this um, avenue of fear that they try to create so that, so that you become fearful and that you buy their product. But see, God says that I will be the one who can deliver you from your fears. Now, in um, Isaiah, you don't have to turn it, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. And we know the scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And then in, in the epistle of John, it says, that perfect love casteth out fear. So that you, as a Christian, are not to feed upon the rabbit. You're not to feed upon the fear. You're not to, to, to move in that and, and just reach out and take that into you. Because if you do, then you're going to have some of the problems that come or stem from that. So... So the rabbit is something that we should not partake of. I don't know, there's only probably maybe one person, two people in here that re possibly would remember this when Tony Ross was here. Uh, he told a story that uh, about this woman somewhere in the area uh, where she became so fearful, talking about your fears multiplying, 
she became so fearful of being out around, around people that she never left her house for over 15 years. Never, never, always shades drawn, never gone out of the house in 15 years. Well, see, God can correct your diet so that when you feed on that which is good and wholesome, that that thing goes. And actually, this woman came to the Lord and within a year's time came out of her house for the first time in, in many years. So your spiritual diet does matter. What you feed upon during the week, believe this or not, affects you, those you are around, and when you come to church, it actually affects uh, the church service, uh, the moving of the Spirit, or the lack of the moving of the Spirit. That all can be traced back many times to what a person is feeding upon throughout the week. So you think that you're going to feed on this thing here, and it's not going to you know, affect anybody but you. It's not going to affect anybody in your household or you know, where you work or, or um, church. And, and you come in and you have this in you because you have fed on certain things, and, and that thing, believe it or not, has an effect on people. You know, we don't live unto ourselves. So we're not to partake of that particular thing. That's why it's there. Now let's move down to verse uh, 7. Now again, this is another animal. Now I'm just picking a couple. I want to get to some of the birds because a couple of the birds are very interesting. Um, and the swine, or the pig, though he divideth the hoof and be cloven footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Now, how many of you here have ever seen a wild boar? Oh, you have? Oh, that's really good. How many of you? I'm not just talking about a picture. I'm saying actually seen one. Been next to one. A fellow I used to work with, he was an avid hunter. And I don't care what was in season, he's out there hunting. And, and he came to work one day. Um, and he had this, this boar in his truck. And, of course, he wanted to go out and look at this boar. And I, I wasn't bored either. <laughs> so he went out there, and, and this, this boar had these tusks that come out of his bottom of his, his, his bottom teeth. They came out, and they, they were sharp, almost like razor sharp. The boar is made for fighting. Have you ever met some people like that? Very combative. There's one individual, you know, I, I've worked in different places, and you run into different characters. The one individual that I've worked with, uh, and still do, is probably the most combative person I've ever run into. Everything he says, almost, and everything he does, it's, it's combative, you know, he's, he's, he always wants to, you know, get into it with somebody. It's the way he is. Well, what is he feeding upon? He's feeding upon the swine. 
So he has that characteristic in him. That, that's, that's in his character. And see, as a Christian, that's not to be in our character. But if we're feeding upon the wrong thing, before we know it, we will take things in and they will start to move. We won't, we won't know it. We won't see it. They will start to move in our heart and then something comes out and we'll say, wow, where did that come from? Well, let the Lord trace that back. Let him show you and reveal to you where that came from. You know, sometimes the Lord will do that for you so that you can see the root or the cause of that. And many times it's not what's going on right now in the present, but it's something that occurred in the past where you fed upon this thing and you didn't think anything of it. You fed upon something else. You didn't think anything of it. You know, you're just, you know, not paying attention, maybe. Or maybe you want to feed on that. Oh, that's pretty good. I like the taste of that. Yeah. Until it does something in you that causes a problem in your character. And you have a character of something that is unclean. And there it is in you. Now, God has to cut certain things off, and he's got to put you on a diet, and then he's got to deliver you. Work, the work of the Spirit somehow, some way, to take that out. So sometimes we cause our own problems by what we're doing. And we think that, okay, I'm going to come up here, I'm going to throw myself down on the floor here at the altar, and everything's going to be okay. Well, that's a start. But many times God wants to deal with certain things when you come up here. I think that's sometimes why people don't want to come. God wants to change some things. He may want to give you direction. You know, the Spirit of God may say, okay, this is what's the, what the problem is. I want you to, to, to address this. This has to go. Now, another thing that I was actually thinking about um, with, with the pig, if you see a picture of a, of a, of a pig pen, you know how they slop, slop the hogs? They put, you ever see them throw some slop in a, in a trough? And the, the pigs gather around. There's always these couple of pigs that didn't make it in time. And there they go. They want to come over there. And what they'll do is they'll just push themselves in there and they don't care who they knock out of the way. And there you have it. See, that's a picture of self-centeredness. I want what I want, and I'm getting in there to get it. <laughs> See, the Lord says in, in Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. See, the direct opposite. There, there's to be no self-centeredness in the Lord's Supper. But with the pig... There's always this self-centered thing, you know, got to get in there and get, get what's mine. But I, I believe that there's another characteristic that is probably the main characteristic of the pig, and that is impurity. The, the, the pig is an impure animal. They feed on, on just about anything. They will feed on their own eggs, and they will feed on uh, ba other baby pigs. So it doesn't matter 
what you put in front of them, even if they're not hungry, they eat. See, see they're an impure animal. And uh, Peter uh, talks about this, where he says that the sow or the pig that was washed went back to the wallowing in the mire. So that a pig, this is, this is a characteristic, it says sometimes before they eat or sometimes after they eat, they will find a muddy, muddy mire or a, a lake or a swamp, and they will just you know, roll around in it. So you can wash a pig and keep it in your house. It'll probably stay clean, unless your house is real dirty. But you let that pig out, and you let it near some mud. I don't care how much you've cleaned that pig. You know where that pig's going to go? Into the mud. Why? Because that's its nature. Its nature is impurity. Its nature is to, to, to wallow around in that which is impure. So that characteristic is something that is not to be in the Christian, so that if you are eating certain things, spiritually speaking, you will bring impurity into your life, and eventually you will be uh, overcome with that characteristic. Well, I'll just partake of this. Or partake of that. And then and I'll just, you know, stop. Pretty dangerous thing. Turn to Psalm 24. Verse 3. And who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now, who, wants, who here wants to ascend into the hill of the Lord? I do. Or another way to say it, who wants to ascend into another place in God or another height in the Lord? Don't we all? Don't you? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Now he's going to give you the answer. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He's the one that's going to receive the blessing of the Lord. So to ascend, to move to another place in the Lord, you cannot be partaking of that which is impure, but rather you have to clean your hands. See, nobody knows what you do when you leave church. I don't care if you come to church 10 times a week. I'm talking about whenever you leave and you go you know, to your private place, you know, where you work or where you live or wherever. Nobody knows what you do. Nobody knows what you partake of but God. But remember... That if you're partaking of that which is impure, that characteristic there is brought into your heart. And that characteristic may be revealed. So don't think what you do 
uh, in your you know, private place, it's always private. We know that God sees, but you know, sometimes other people can see. Now let's go back to Leviticus 11. This is interesting. Verse 8 says, now he's talking about these animals that he just uh, mentioned. He says, of their flesh shall ye not eat. Well, yes, we know that. We just, uh, we're looking at that. That's the obvious. Now he goes on and says, and their carcass shall ye not touch, they are unclean to you. So there is, there is this eating, and then there is this touching. So eating is one thing, touching is another thing. Remember, Eve, first she saw the fruit, she desired the fruit, then she touched the fruit, and she ate it. See, so the desiring, the wanting, the touching, all came before the eating. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And what? Touch not the unclean thing. Very interesting. See, because before you actually eat it, see, you touch it with your heart. That's the first step. Your heart goes out, you touch it, you know, you think you're going to play around with it. You're touching it, and then it is brought in, and you eat it. So in Leviticus, he says, you don't eat them, you don't touch them. If your heart goes out and starts to touch, just that the Lord just... I, I like... <laughs> There's things in the Bible are just... Oh, my. I was thinking of Job makes a covenant. You know, I'll just mention this. Job 36.1. I love this verse. Guys. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon the young maiden. I'm not going to reach out there and touch that. Why? Well, Job knew something. Touch it, that's the first step. Bringing it in. First step. You gotta cut that off. Make a covenant. Now let's go to verse um, 9. Now these shall ye eat of all that, uh, excuse me. Yeah, these shall ye eat of all that are in the water. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any, of any living thing which is in the water, they shall be an abomination unto you. So that if you would uh, get an encyclopedia, 
and you would start to look at a fish. And, and you would look at the fin. There are certain characteristics of the fin. One of them is, um, and we're going to look at that in just a minute, is, is propulsion. Another is steering, direction. Another is balance. All that is, is applicable to this scripture. But the one, uh, I would have to say, the main thing there that to be seen is, is propulsion. The fins are mainly used for propulsion. So that anything that does not cause you as a Christian to be propelled toward the Lord, that you're not to part partaking of. So that if you're involved in something, and you know it's taking you in a different direction, it's not moving you toward the Lord, you're not to eat it. Now, there are things that are neutral. You know that. Many things are neutral. Music can be a neutral thing. It means inherently it's neither good or evil. But when man's spirit gets involved with that, now he takes it in one direction or the other. You can have some of this acid rock and some of this other, other, other music that now has certain characteristics that you cannot partake of. So, so man does this all the time. He takes that which is neutral... And he uses it the wrong way. Um, sexual relationship. That's a neutral thing. That can either be something to the glory of God, or that can be something evil and something impure. See, but it's in and of itself, it's neutral. It depends on what the heart of the man, the person, does with that. So if something moves you away from God, you're not to partake of that. You are to, to be going in the direction of the Lord, and partaking of that which has fins, propulsion, is, is to be the main thing, taking you in the direction of God. If, it, if it's leading you in any other way, if it's leading you towards self, you're not to partake of it. You just, that's not to be a part of your diet spiritually. And the next thing he talks about is scales. Now, scales are, are basically the, the, the part of the fish, we all know this, that they're like little bony plates, and they are for protection. So that the Lord is to become... Your protection. Remember, Moses goes into to Pharaoh <clears throat> under the power of the Spirit, and, and Pharaoh had all the power of Egypt, and he could have, could have said to one of the, the, the men there, kill him right there on the spot. I mean, he could have done that. But because Moses was feeding from the right things, he had the scale, so to speak, upon him, or the protection of God upon him. When David goes out against Goliath, 
he goes out in the protection of God. Because he was where he needed to be. He was right with God, and God had this protection about him. Now remember in the wilderness, whenever uh, Korah and, and his company, they rise up against Moses, and, and then they have, you remember the story how Moses says, well, go ahead, you can, you can come out and you can bring your, your censers and burn your incense and we'll let God decide this matter. God becomes the protection for Moses. See, it says in, it says in that scripture in Numbers that they came against Moses. Well, God was his protection. He, it, was his, it was scales because he was feeding upon it. That's the characteristic there because of what he was, was feeding upon. And there's a verse there. Turn to Numbers. I thought this was interesting. I hope I wrote it down. I didn't write it down. I can't find it. Is it in 16? One of the things Moses says to them, he says, you have taken too much upon you, ye sons of Levite. So, so they were the priesthood. They were to have the protection of God in their life. But because they, they were feeding upon something else, they come against Moses, and now the protection of, of God is lifted from them, and there's this earthquake, and it swallows them up, and the rest of their company, it says that the, the fire comes out from the Lord and, and kills like 250 people, men, and um, what else happened? There was a, 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 um, a disease breaks out in the camp. But it's, it's interesting... No, I'm looking for something else here. Okay, verse 39. This is a very interesting verse. I was, just saw this this morning. It says, And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they, had, they, that they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar. And that means that they were made of almost like a scale. They made them scales, and they covered the altar. And I see that covering was to be upon the lives of the Levites, but because they were feeding upon something else, you know, God says, I'm not your protection anymore. I'm Moses, but not yours. And, and they, they perish. So those particular things, again, are to be... Uh, what we are to feed of. See, see, are we feeding of that that does not have fins? It's not propelling us toward the Lord. Are we feeding upon that which is uh, lifting the protection of God, the covering of God from our lives? See, if that's the case, then, then we're not to be, be eating of that. Now, let's... Uh, which one should I do here? Let's look at verse 15. Go back to chapter 11 in Leviticus. Now he, he says in verse 13 that these birds um, are to, are, if you eat them, 
that they're an abomination. And he starts naming them, the eagle, the ossifrage, the osprey. Uh, and then <clears throat> down in verse 15, it says, Every raven after his kind. Now, ravens are the great scavenger birds. They, they feed from garbage. Uh, they feed from other dead animals and the like, scavengers. They feed off of dead flesh. That's their characteristic. They feed off of the garbage of the world. Well, you know, as a Christian, you can also feed off of some of the garbage in the world. It, it doesn't uh, take too much. It's, it's rather easy, isn't it? It's easy to feed off some of the garbage of the world. See, that's the characteristic of that bird. And that's not to be a characteristic that is in you and I as Christians. Peter says this, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or the garbage that is in the world. So, so we're to partake of the divine nature through the promises of God and not feed upon the garbage like the ravens do. Not to feed upon that. Put a watch over your spirit, Christian. When you go home, when you, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when you're at work or wherever you are, observe what is going on here. Now, I do that sometimes, and sometimes, you know, you're just, you're not thinking about anything, and you're just doing whatever you're doing. And, you know, you're not really watching or thinking about watching. That's where we need to depend on the Spirit of God. But watch sometimes. Just stop and watch your heart. You know, what, what's going on at work? Work can be a very trying place. <laughs> can it not? Oh, yeah. Working among other people can be very trying. That's when you need to walk around and do your job, but watch what's going on in your heart. And of course, it's, it's nice because we have the Spirit of God to come and, and check us and, and to um, show us when something comes out that isn't quite right. So, so the Lord is desiring here to show us that there are certain things that we can eat that are good for us. Just like some of you that are very um, interested in eating correctly, you want to eat the things that are, are nutritiously uh, you know, good for your body, uh, that which is organically grown or you know, pure water. Uh, in a natural, your body needs these things. But see, spiritually speaking, 
we are affected by polluted food, water, etc. There is more spiritual pollution probably in the world than there is natural pollution. They talk about all the, the, the waterways, how they're polluted. Uh, they talk about the air and the ozone, and that's, that's the big focus of, of people or the news or whoever. And, and, and that's true, but they don't see past that to the pollution that is there in the world spiritually and how that affects the Christian, how that can change your heart, how that can affect the characteristics of God that should be in us. All of what we feed on during the week will either cause us to move further toward Him or will hinder us and cause us to have difficulties and, and cause us you know, this problem and that problem and, and, and actually break down the spiritual body, just like things do in the natural that have uh, poisons and pollution in them. You know, you hear about these detox diets. Very good. Well, God can put you on a spiritual, a spiritual detox diet, you know, to get rid of some of that stuff that shouldn't be in there. The last one, real quickly, in verse 16, is the owl. And as I said earlier, that's talking about the ostrich. Now, the ostrich speaks of limitation, or it speaks of being bound. And the reason why I say it speaks of limitation is because an ostrich has wings. They're big wings, but they lost the ability to fly. Their wings are not aerodynamic, and their wings are not used for flying. You know what they're used for? Can anybody tell me what the ostrich's wings are used for? <coughs> for breaking. When they're running real fast, they want to slow down, they pop their wings out like a parachute. See, where is the I will fly with wings as eagles? He that waiteth upon the Lord shall renew his strength. He shall mount up with wings as eagles. See, where is that? It's not in the characteristic of the ostrich because he cannot fly. All he can do is run. So there are certain things that are out there that we partake of or can partake of that will totally change our character, totally change our ability to mount up with the Lord like He wants us to. They will slow us down and they will cause us to take that which is spiritual and make it something that is natural. You lose your ability to, to fly. Your wings won't be any good anymore. They'll just slow you down. Why? Because you are feeding upon something that is bringing that characteristic into your heart and life. And the world will serve it up every day. 
if your heart is moving in a certain way, uh, not toward God, but, but it has this bent toward, you know, we all have a bent toward the carnal. You know that. That's in everyone. But hopefully God has, has brought the proper food in your life over a long period of time to where that bent comes less and less and less. But see, if a person has a bent toward the world, oh, the world will see to it that it serves up some good dishes for you. The pig, the raven, the ostrich. Well, might throw some camel meat in there for you too. Just depends. We as Christians need to guard our heart and to watch what is taken in because it will affect us whether we know it, believe it, or understand it. If we can do that one thing, watch what we spiritually take in for a month. I guarantee you, when you come to church, you're going to be ready. Your heart's going to be ready. It's not going to be a chore to praise and worship God. It's not going to be a chore to sit here for two or three hours. It's not going to be a chore to read the Scriptures and study the Word. Because your life will be revolutionized because you have been feeding upon that which is good. Now, we need to stop here, but I want to talk next week about the animals that we are to eat of, those we are to take in, because their characteristics are really good. Rivers of living water.